2: Welcome back to episode 142 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne, your host, joined by Connor Hurley, who is still here in Buffalo, uh, visiting some family. And we actually got the chance to meet each other for the first time this past Thursday uh, at the East season opener down at KeyBank Center. Unfortunately, do a 5-1 to loss to the New York Rangers.
0: Hurles, how the hell are you doing? I love the shirt, bud. I'm good. And yeah, despite the game, which we don't necessarily even need to talk about anymore, the shirt is amazing. Um made by yours truly over there. Um uh, it's it's incredible. Uh fits perfectly. Um it shows who is the greatest goalie of all time, Dominic Kashik. And uh yeah, it was a great time meeting you, know, great atmosphere down at Key Bank, and hopefully the Sabres have a little bit better of a performance tonight.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually wearing the uh the newest edition from Buffalo go uh Stefan 316. So, sick. uh, got it last night, shout out to them. Uh, again, if you want to, uh, uh, you know, get your hands on any merchandise like this, uh, just reach out, um, or find them on Instagram and Twitter, uh, at Buffalo Go. Um, absolutely, uh, phenomenal people over there. And, uh, I feel, uh, feel, you know, honored to don this shirt during our show. Uh, but we'll be joined, uh, here very momentarily by, uh, Stefan Rosner, Beat writer for the New York Islanders with the hockey news and um, you know NHL.com. Really respected his work. I'm excited to have him on. And uh, further ado, Stefan, thanks for coming on with us, bud.
1: Appreciate it. How do I get myself one of those goat shirts? Because that is phenomenal.
0: We can we can do that for you as long as you accept, as long as you admit that Dominic Hasek is the greatest goalie of all time.
1: If that's how I get the shirt, sure, he's the greatest goalie of all all time. That is.
0: Leave it in your heart i got you okay I got you. yeah
1: oh, i appreciate I, I, that that's it. after
2: the show i'll take care of you i'll make sure we get you one honestly uh, i appreciate it i wish we would have had but, you on before lazzy uh lazzy left the area i would have given him one and just to give to you um, uh, don't
1: worry played, about him he probably the Cup.
2: It. we played uh, against him in the chicklets cup this past i mean weekend.
0: bias aside like it's kind of hard to argue like i used to be a yeah big, i used to be a big patrick law guy and i was like steadfast that he was the greatest goalie of all time but when you really break down the numbers like Dominic Hasek legitimately is like almost unarguably the greatest hockey goalie of all time
1: yeah I mean just I'm a goalie so growing up three three
0: Three goalies one Mike
2: let's go
1: yeah so three goalies right I mean I grew up where I live in New York Long Island so you had Bordeaux right next door you have Lundquist now you have Starokin with the Islanders but you look at Hasek and he was the definition of just make the and save right doesn't matter how you do it it always seemed to be a highly real save and it's crazy how goaltending's really changed right we went from doing that to everything's so positional now but that's going to be the more exciting hockey to watch is has you know cartwheels and stuff so yeah i'll, I'll say that for the shirt. but no he really talented wise and flexibility i mean he did it all
2: and, and here, here's the thing too is you know you, you, to your point yeah that the position has changed a lot but he was – even if it was – like, there was obviously some positional play back in yeah. the 90s and early 2000s. But at the end of the day, man, like, he had a style that was his own. Um, yeah. People, like, people just thought that it was just him, it, like, instincts reacting, just some some goofy style. He practiced that. Like, that's the yeah. way he practiced. Like, he practiced making saves in that manner, and that's what made him so unique, um, that never-give-up attitude. And I always – I always, anybody who wants to argue the Brodeur and Wah thing, like, listen – uh, Wall hashik and him went head to head in '98, you know, won the gold medal, yeah. went to a shootout, stopped all five shooters. I mean, and then when it comes to like you look at the teams Dom played on here in Buffalo when he was in his prime, you can name the Hall of Famers. You, you like, he had LaFontaine and Mogilny for like a season and a half, and then after no, that, the,
1: other, the other guys had better players in front of them, yeah. which changes everything. So,
2: you know, Wall could let four goals in and you could still win five four. Hashik yeah. you know, there was a chance you might lose the
0: game if you let one or two in. You know what I mean? That sounds, yeah. like, sounds like my beer league team currently, which is really important.
1: <laughs> um, Listen, I grew up on the island. They had a rotation of goalies from, I don't know, probably like 25 until they went from DiPietro to uh, Soroki. maybe maybe more. So I feel you in terms of, and especially to the team's struggled, So the goaltender had to be great. And the Islanders didn't really have any kind of guy like that for a long time. While the Rangers, you know, you go from... Richter to Lundqvist, just to and I mean, out of all the teams getting spoiled goalie-wise, they're, they're probably
0: up, um up they're, like the, they're like the Green Bay Packers of football up until now. <laughs> like Brett probably Up until now, right. Like, like who knows with Jordan Love. But as you mentioned, like, they've had good goalies for the past 30 years. And they're probably going to have the best goalie in the league for the next five. So it's, it's really amazing that, now that you mention it. Um, as far as the Islanders go, you yep. probably have arguably the best goalie in the league. Um, and I guess my question going into this season for you guys and the projection moving forward, obviously the Islanders have have made it to the top pretty recently. Eastern Conference Finals, two straight years. Obviously last season wasn't as good. What is the feeling amongst the fan base, given that the Islanders have gotten so close so recently and the team hasn't changed that much? Obviously the def- defensive structure exists. You still have one of the best goalies in the league. What is the feeling going into this season, given that, like, there really isn't that much of a difference.
1: I think there's half the fan base that looks at it on the surface and says, same team that just lost to Carolina, like, they're not gonna be good. The other teams in the Metro got better. Um, the East in general got better. I mean, you're gonna have teams like Ottawa, Buffalo, teams that missed it last year, probably fighting again and making it really close. And then there's half the fan base that thinks, well, sure, they're running it back, but it's the people that are back having a full year of a healthy Barzal with Beau Horvat, who struggled when he came over. A full line with Engvall, Nelson, and Palmieri. Another year for Romanoff to take a step. You know, all these things you got to take into consideration where, sure, it's the same team that finished the year, but, again, yeah, health definitely matters. I mean, Barzal and Horvath have to be the dynamic duo. This organization's been longing for, which they haven't had since the cup years, right? It's It's been a very long time. And you have Lane Lambert another year as a head coach. You got to see him take steps. You got to see Dobson, who struggles defensively but is great offensively take steps defensively. So I think there's a lot of optimism for the fan base, but at the same time, it's, if things go bad, you know, point fingers at Lou because he didn't upgrade the team, even though his upgrades, you know, he went and got, the probably which would have been the best UFA available. He just got him a couple months earlier and people have to remember that. So yeah, I think again, it's the Islanders. It's a, the players are talking about it. it's a long season. They've had to wait eight days since their preseason ended to play. I think Devin Anaheim are the only two teams that hadn't started yet. So tonight's, tonight's a huge game for them just because, again, they, they need to get off to a strong start that's been a struggle over the last couple of years, and that's why come the end of the season they're really grinding to just make it in.
2: Yeah, and uh, just to our season opener Thursday night, we played the Rangers. It was a tough loss, 5-1. to one. But the one thing that surprised us the most, uh, yeah. which could be a good thing for us tonight because it gets us prepared for the style of play that the Islanders play, was yeah. they got an early lead, I think, on the power play. A very quick no, Four minutes goal in.
0: Was, it that, was that first goal a power play goal?
2: Either way, it just yeah, was. It it was like, they went up to nothing. I know yeah. at least one of those two goals were a power play yeah, goal. Yeah, second goal and, was. And they just went into that 1-3-1, that trap system, and we did not have an answer. Don Granado didn't have an answer, and it really took Buffalo out of probably their entire game plan heading into that night because we've never really seen the Rangers, like, get so collapse into that and just, yeah. You know, play that style of hockey because like, like, let's be real. Like, you know, they have a ton of offensive talent on that team. You know, you know, people, you know, you talk about Lafreniere, you know, is he a bus? Is he not a bus? Capo Caco, same thing. Like they have a lot of offensively talented players on that team. So you wouldn't expect them to collapse into the one, three, one, but they did. And to their credit, they played it to almost perfection and we didn't get on the board until late, very late in the second period uh, in a, in a situation where, you were able to get them to break their structure uh, on a block shot and follow up with Turkish scores, but you know, I think that might be a good thing that we face that in Game One because now it gets prepared for the game two against a team who plays that system very, very, very well.
1: I think you got to credit um, Peter Laviolette too. I mean, he went and t- took this team, looked at what they did, and said, "Yeah, we got to change what we play." I know practice has been much different, and I guess the biggest thing for the Rangers is not the guys they bring in. It's the guys that they're paying money to produce have to just produce flat out. That's what it is. I mean, it's they got guys locked up. Pernaren's got to be Pernaren. Not sure. Stats are great, but you know, stats don't matter when it's you know every three games he's missed or that, and then the stats pile up, and the year you go, that's a good year. But game by game, you got to do more. So I think for the Rangers, it's, it's getting that whole, them to work as a team. I feel like they really haven't done that, and and for Buffalo too. I mean, maybe it wasn't the best start for them. But I think you guys probably got to be pretty happy with where the team's at now in terms of just what this potential is for this team. I think. I call it this year. I think they're making the playoffs this year. I think last year, obviously, that game against the Islanders in early March with the Hudson Fashing eagle. You know, you look at the end of the year and you guys you are out of the fight. You know by- that
2: wasn't a goal, right? That definitely. That wasn't
1: the- a goal. <laughs> well, my thing is, I still don't know what goalie interference is, right? So, can we figure that out first, and then figure out what because need- again, to me, to me flat out, I think you should let like unless it's a really like a legit kick, like direct, you know, changing your direction, you could do. I I thought fashing moved his knee. Um. I don't get paid the big bucks, out the people in Toronto do to make that call. The uh, Sabres did get revenge shutting the Islanders out. I think it was 2-0 a couple of weeks later. But I mean, listen, that that that's a huge point or two that the Sabres don't get. And you look back and go, I mean, the Islanders could do the same thing. Why did they take 82 games? Well, you lost both games to Arizona. You blew a lead against Arizona in Arizona, you know, things like that. But every point adds up. So that was a huge call that didn't go the Sabres way that who knows, maybe the Sabres are the one in the playoffs and the Panthers don't make it, and who knows what happens then? Because the Panthers go going to run, everything impacts everything.
2: And everything yeah. was going our way too. With uh, yeah, you know, I said it a couple of times. Devin Levi, if he starts his career a week earlier, the Sabres are in the playoffs. Um, Crazy, right? Out. <laughs> and um, you know, to your point though, that, that that game was crucial in terms of stands. But you could point to so many other losses. Exactly.
1: I mean, of course,
2: I mean, no. you just can't point at that one game. Former Saber Hudson Fashion slash soccer player, uh, <laughs> you know, the buck into the nut. Uh, but yeah. It, to your point, I um I expect a very lockdown defensive style from uh from the Islanders. Um, you know, you, you tweeted out the lines this morning, uh Barzell, Horvat, and Holmstrom leading the way as your first line. Obviously Sorokin will be in that. That's you know, duh. But just can yeah. you take me through the rest of your lineup here because you know, um I like that bottom line of Martin, Sizikas and Clutterbuck. It's a heavy line. It's a to be very tough to play with. I could imagine them going up against some top lines, you know, 100%. Some good defensive players there. Um, Just take us through the rest of your lineup.
1: Yeah, I think, again, we we talked on it before, but, you know, Brock Nelson's line, the engvall nelson Palmieri line, that's their quote-unquote second line. It's going to be a much more balanced team, I think, than we've seen in the past from the Islanders, just because Barzal finally has helped. With Horvat, So that changes kind of anything. Cause again, like, you know, the Sabres defense, so young, so talented. But now you got to, you know, coach Granada's got to choose by going up against that, my best pairing against Corbin and Barzal. Because Nelson, Angle, and Palmieri are, are equally as dangerous, I would say. And that second line is the line that carried the Islanders offense the entire second half of last year and was their best line in the playoffs. And the third line gets interesting. I mean, Anders Lee has been a top six player for this team. That's why he got seven by seven uh, a couple of years ago. But you know, not that age has been impacting him, but he's definitely not the fastest skater. And guys like corbett and Barzal can fly. And if you're a player that can't keep up with them, it's kind of disservice to them, right? And I think their lead, being the captain, of course, doing whatever it takes to win. You drop him down now to pretty much the Islanders' defensive shutdown line because Pagano is centering that line, and you'll have Hudson Fashion, who we just spoke about before. And kudos to Hudson for you know working his tail off, getting called up last year, making himself a staple in the lineup, doing it again at camp, and earning that spot over guy like Oliver Wallstrom. You know, who's not in the lineup? This is a guy that the Islanders expect to be a top six elite sniper, two way guy. Wallstrom is coming off an ACL injury. So I don't think he's 100%. He might say he's 100% healthy, and maybe he is physically, but mentally getting back into the, the timing of the game and quick thinking. He's a little, he needs more time. I don't think that's an issue. Like, just you rather have him in the lineup when he's 100% ready to go. But yeah, that third line is who. Who uh, Lane Lambert's going to throw out against probably the Sabres top line or top uh, top six. So that's another line that you, you want to pay attention to because Lee, again, this is a guy that can score 30 goals, right? But I think you're going to see him more be physical, more, you know, do those kind of things and help this line. Because again, that could also be a line that scores. Hudson Fashion, I mean, the guy does it all. If you want him to be an offensive guy, he'll do that. If you want him to be a shutdown D guy, he'll do that. And Pajot's had the opportunity to be a goal scorer and assistant, sitting a career high in assists last year, but also. He's your best face-off guy. He, he's very strong in his own zone defensively. And then you have, like you said, the fourth line. It's a line that everyone's been, you know, how much longer do they have? I mean, they've been together. Take away Martin's couple of years in Toronto that people want to forget about. But this line's been together for a very long time. You don't ever see this. And I think that's just credit to their ability to just be effective. And I know Cal Futterbuck was out of the lineup a lot last year. But Matt Martin, you know, he played in 81 games last year. He missed one game for the birth of his daughter. Casey Zekis. Is the energizer bunny still for that line and that if that line can stay healthy they'll be effective that's just been that's been the biggest issue but right now the islanders have every line they have has a speedy guy a guy that's defensively sound and a guy that can make plays and that's why i think the islanders are probably going to be more effective offensively this year because you're not just relying on brock nelson has carried the offense probably the last couple of years and he has got running mates that we saw how effective kyle palmeri can be when he's healthy right? And again, Horvath and Barzal being together in Holmstrom might not be the finisher that that line really needs. And they don't really have that guy. Um, But Holmstrom is very sound defensively, can skate, keep pace with those two guys, and is very smart. So it'll be interesting to see how that line looks off the bat. But I think you're looking at an Islanders offensive group that every line brings something different. But at the same time, they all can move the puck in transition, which is something the Islanders have been missing for a very long time, which is why their offense hasn't been, you know, not even a top offense, just a above average offense so this is the year i think for five on five play to be be much better for this squad
0: so we mentioned a little earlier what the rangers did to the sabers it was it was pretty clear like even being in the building as soon as they went up one nothing they went into that one three one as far as the islander system like we all know them for the trap we know them for making teams like work for what they're getting making it (laughs) an ugly game is that a game-long system is that a situation specific type thing obviously When teams get a league, obviously, it's, it's a little bit more easier to do that. But, like, is given how much success the Rangers had against the Sabres doing that exact same thing, like, do you envision the Islanders doing that from the puck drop? Like, maybe if they get down, they wouldn't do that. But, like, do you envision, like, them doing that to stifle this, like, young, fast offensive group that doesn't seem to know how to get around it at this point?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it's definitely situational, but I think you know if they watch the Sabers, they not playing has given them a lot of time to really watch film and do that. And I think for the Islanders, I mean, their biggest issue last year was coming out of the gates hot. You know, you have had eight days off between games; these guys are itching to play. If they come out flat tonight, that's a huge issue. But I do think, yeah, not the Islanders have some speed to match other teams. Like in the past, they didn't have that, so they had to play that trap style because the only way they're producing offense is by playing strong defensively. I think things change a little now but again it's going to be a feeling out process for the islanders too who's got their legs early and that's how lane's going to attack it but i think yeah you look you look in the raiders recipe for success against buffalo the islanders should do that and i think again most of these guys are very comfortable playing that trap kind of style right keeping guys to the outside a uh, strong neutral zone play so i think that's where the islanders feel that they're at their best so i think for sure out of the gate we know buffalo already skated in the game which means that they have their legs right they they're not they're not feeling it out, so I think you have to, if you're the Islanders, play that game. But again, when you have the opportunity to jump on the rush and transition with speed and do things like that, or you catch Buffalo napping here or there, you gotta take that chance because again, you have Sorokin, right? And the whole point of having Sorokin is that when the Islanders go make a push for offense, if there's a turnover where that whatever that may be, you have the faith that he's going to make that save, or you hope that he has the ability to make that save. So I think, yeah, filling out process to start, and especially if they get the lead, they'll lock you down. I just think that's. The Islanders, regardless of what they do offensively, their bread and butter is defensive goaltending. So they got to play to that.
0: Yeah. Um, one more thing that I've personally been frustrated by every single time I've watched a Sabres Islander game is how many shots they block. And yeah. that's something that the Rangers did with absolute precision. The other night, I think they had 23 in total and then 13 in the third period. Obviously, the Sabers were a little bit desperate, trying to score a goal down three to one. They were on the power play, and it even felt like Tej and Darlene, guys with a lot of patience, with a lot of skill, were just putting their head down and firing it at the net. Like, how much do, how much does the coaching staff emphasize that, and how much do these guys buy into that specifically? Because I've noticed it in the past, and of course, it's it's emblematic of their defensive, like tough structure that they that they have in their team, but. Is that something do you think that they're going to continue to emphasize and even after seeing it the other night with the sabers like how much of that do you think we're going to see see tonight
1: yeah i think i mean i think blocking shots is critical i know it increases injury likelihood but i think you look at in the league as a whole is quality over quantity right and again when you're going when you're down by goals you just got to shoot and the islanders are probably going to do the same thing their goal is to get as many shots and goals as possible because they have guys that can crash in that and do those things in terms of the defensive zone The way the Islanders have structured their D pairs, which we'll talk about right now, is they separated Romanov and Dobson last year in the second half. It wasn't working in the first half. And then you thought, okay, they have a summer. Romanov got way more comfortable last year with Pulak. Maybe they'll put Romanov and Dobson back together. But they decided not to. And Pelik's going to play with Dobson. Romanov's going to be with Pulak. Then you have Ahu and Mayfield. And I think Pelik is your i mean he's your shutdown d guy he's the best guy that they have on their team but i think romanov especially he does not mind blocking shots he blocked a shot on the pk in practice yesterday and got a little banged up has a little stitch mark there got Mayfield for always block shots that's why he's back on this team for seven years and i think yeah like you said the islanders have always had to focus on defending their goal because until they had stroke they and they had solid goalies but they weren't these you know high caliber guys and you want to limit the amount of shots that go through especially the high danger ones Um, But I think, especially this year too, I think you're going to see a lot more blocks in the high slot rather than the low slot because they're going to be a lot more aggressive because of that speed. For example, positionally, Barzal has been a center, right? And usually the center is deep in the defensive zone and they lead the breakout and things like that. But With Horvath now on his line, Horvath's the guy down low and Barzal is the one hovering the point. And if he could block a shot or deflect a shot, he's off to the races. And that makes the Islanders more of an offensive team because they have that speed up front, standing with Holmstrom. You know he's always hovering at the top trying to pick off those passes so maybe maybe less block shots in tight and more just trying to get sticks on it as high in the zone because for the first time in a while the honors have that speed to make it work where in the past it's like all right we blocked a shot at the point but we're not getting to it we're not going to win that battle so i think that's you might see more of that this year but blocking shots i mean every team has got to do it and sure Sorokin can make a lot of saves but we know how it works in this league is you take the goalie's eyes away you get a lot of eyes in front Makes it that much harder to make the save. So, anytime you can stop a puck coming in without, you know, putting your face in front of it, um, yeah, the Islanders are going to do that.
2: Yeah. Um, and to your point about Romanov, I saw that uh, tweet from this morning. Uh, that had to be like a little bit kind of scary heading into uh, the season. at such an important piece in your blue line. Uh, go down there for a minute, but uh, everything's fine. Like, he's, he's good. He's definitely Yeah.
1: To I spoke to him today. He said he's ready to F and go. So, <laughs> Ah, uh, this I mean, is a guy that would play with two broken legs, right? So I don't think getting honestly, if anything, gotten ready for the season because, hey, if it happens in a game, like of course I want to make sure he's okay and concussion protocol when you get hit up high like that. But now he's ready to go. Everyone in the Islanders is ready to go. That's in the starting lineup. Palmieri's, you know, he barely skated during training camp. Got into one preseason game. He's ready to go. And again, that's the, that's the other big thing for the Islanders too, and every team. Like it seems like every year is such a huge piece. Last year. They lost Pelic and Palmer. I think Pelic's their most important player because of that structure you talked about. It just seems like every year somebody goes down, and it's not like, sure, you don't want to see a depth guy go down either, but it seems like one of those big name guys go down. And for a team like the Islanders, where they might not have that superstar guy, you can't afford for one of those top guys to, to go down and you're in trouble. So, yeah, everyone's ready to go and healthy. And and of course, that's the most important thing.
2: I saw you tweeted out a quote from Matt Martin today too, yeah. about Kyle Ocposo, and I appreciated that a lot because you know, that's a big reason why many think that like Buffalo signed him to another one year deal because of what he brings to just the locker room, this young, the character of this team, the culture, um, you know, the guy's been through, I, I want to say words like Helen back, but the injuries, oh, yeah, uh, I you know, it, it, the injuries is just, it, it's, it, they seem to pile up on him. Last year, he stayed relatively pretty healthy. Uh, we hope again for the same thing this year, but it's nice to see Matt Martin has such nice words about Kyle Aposo and, you know, see that relationship still with the island uh, intact.
1: Yeah, um, I grew up, obviously it's different now being on the beat and stuff, but I grew up 15 minutes away from NASA Coliseum, huge Islander fan. I had an Aposo fathead on my wall. He was my favorite player coming into the league and I, I've never gotten to interview him yet. Maybe I'll get a chance tonight after the game. But, you know, when you talk with Islanders now, because again, most of these guys have been here the whole time, right? So they've been here all the time. So um I knew that he played with him and obviously Kyle being back again from the year, I thought it was important to ask, you know, to ask Matt about it. And I didn't know the backstory in the quote. Uh, I could read it if you want real quick. But when I came in yeah, the absolutely. league, he bought me my first ever dinner. I'll never forget that. He's just a quality character person. I learned a lot from him in my time playing with him. He came back from some serious injuries and his work ethic is second to none. God bless him. Hopefully he has a great year. But and then laughing, Martin says, we're focused on trying to get a win tonight. But it just goes to show that. You know, when you leave the island, you know, a part of you stays there. I mean, Matt Martin, Matt Martin, I don't I don't believe Matt Bar maybe Matt Bar's always there for a little bit, but obviously Josh Bailey left this summer from the Islanders. He was their longest tenured player. Casey Zigas, Cal Clutterbuck got I mean all Pulak, I mean all those guys played with a pose. And to see him still be able to play after those injuries, a guy that, you know, The Islanders struggled when Oposo was here and and other guys were here. And and it was a tough time for a lot of them. And Oposo got snubbed to playing for Team USA. I forgot that one year it was and all the USA chance. and no, no one on the team has anything bad to say about Kyle. And you knew, I kind of think you knew early on that he had captain potential. I still think he's, he scored the coolest, um, first NHL goal ever. I know people debate that obviously, but Kyle Oposo from one knee in the slot, one timer, a helmet list, glove side number door, I mean. Maybe a couple beat that, but that's got to be up there in terms of one of the greatest uh, first NHL goals ever.
2: I'll have to check that out because that sounds pretty cool. I've never seen that. Oh
1: yeah, you got to go check it out. And again, now the rule is you can't be on the ice with no helmet, so that <laughs> would never have happened. But I mean, scoring gloves by door door for your first goal—that's okay. I mean, That's crazy. So are
2: they, they going to blow the whistle dead if your helmet falls off during the game? Is that what happens?
1: Well, well you ha- have to leave the ice. Uh, you have to leave the ice, and I'm pretty sure if you go to play, you get a penalty for delay again. Yeah, it
2: happened to Power the other night,
0: and he immediately left the ice
2: really I, I did not know that was a new rule I, I shame on me so like if in the same situation like moments before he scores that goal in today's nhl his helmet's knocked off he can't make a play on that puck. yeah
1: if you go to play the puck, you're done yeah i mean may, they want to protect obviously the head injuries and oh yeah for sure i think it was about i don't know i can't exactly maybe like 10 he loses his helmet in the 10 seconds and then he goes to the slot and then he scores but yeah Nowadays, because players aren't, you know, they don't want to get in trouble, obviously, or you take a penalty. So oh, the helmet comes the off, they're all, like, helmet off, hit the ice, unless they, you know, they got caught up in the moment for a second. But if you go to play it, it's standing with a broken stick. Like, if yeah. your stick breaks, you got to drop in and go get a new one or play without it because penalties. And we know how important special teams is.
2: That's wild if it happens, like, in the playoffs and you're in the defensive zone. Yeah, I mean, that that's wild. Imagine having to skate from your end, especially if you're at the fire bench.
0: You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I, I imagine that they're gonna give some leeway here and there. Um, obviously uh, I rest uh, no like flow of the game in certain instances. Like maybe if like you go out of your way to play the puck, but at least you could like at least stay positionally to a point where like it's less dangerous. I don't know. We'll, we'll it see. might be an
1: NHL PA thing too. I don't really know who started the rule, but again, it's all about protecting players. So if it's a PA thing, I think the players would be again the league the league obviously agrees to it, but yeah, with all these head injuries and they just don't want to take any chances. But yeah, if I'm a player or if I'm a fan of a team, my guy, you know, it's it's a uh, overtime in the playoffs and he loses his helmet behind the net, run up an odd man rush the other way because you don't have your helmet on. That that's tough. Well, um, i
2: ten straps now.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got to tighten it right, make the helmets yeah, tighter. It's probably what they've down. done. They've probably tightened the helmets to be honest, because back in the day, like remember before they fought they used to take them off, and you can't do that either. So yeah, what
2: what is it which, you which uh, makes you have, sense? You have to essentially try like. uh, you take your own helmet off during a fight it's an extra an additional two minutes or something
1: yeah i mean my mindset is it probably hurts more to punch a helmet with your gloves off than an yeah. actual head and if you're a fight again we know the head injuries and stuff like that but it just seems really stupid to take your like if you're gonna keep the helmet on take keep the you might as well keep the gloves on you're gonna break your yeah. hand yeah like... or, or just don't punch in the head but again that's you're fighting your instinct you're just, you're just throwing them
0: there's not a lot of fighting anymore to begin with, so yeah, yeah which
1: is which is a shame, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, miss, I miss
2: those days personally. I yeah. I respect the hell out of that that position on a team, you know, like uh, it's anybody, needed,
1: it's definitely needed.
2: Yeah, and anybody who's seen Tough Guy, the Bob Probert, Probert story, you know, Andrew Peters, he's a personal friend. Like I respect the hell out of those guys. Like the just the, not just the physically what they put themselves through, but mentally, like knowing that that's your role and that like when you go into a game where you might be going up against you know, back in Ray and Domi days, you go against that guy, you know, you're fighting that guy, you know, that you're responsible. that's your response. That's got to be like, cause anxiety, like just a lot of stress, just, you know, having that role on your team that the most important moments of your ice are, I mean, you putting your, your, your mental health essentially on the line, you know, getting punched in the face in the head.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you look at now and everyone talks about, well, the days when forces are older, it's all speed and skill, but the younger the players are and the more skill, more, they're going to be targeted in yeah. games. If someone tries a Michigan twice in a game and they go for it again, they're probably going to get laid out. And to yeah. not have, like, for example, I'm not saying that the same situation, but the Islanders waived Ross Johnson earlier in the week. The Ducks picked him up. While Ross Johnson may not be an everyday in each other. that's a young Ducks team that now has a guy on the ice that other teams are going to have to think twice about if they want. I mean, again, they'll go after Seekers after Whistles, but you think Johnson's going to let them do anything to touch that guy? No yeah. way in hell. And that's and that's the point of having guys like that because. If anything, you should see more enforcers, like enforcers start coming back up because the league is getting younger and the more skill moves. Older players are going to get pissed off of that and try to take it out on them. And if you don't have a guy that's going to answer the call, then those players are going to get hurt.
0: Yeah, our, uh, our enforcer last season was Peyton Krebs. Yeah. So we're, um, we're, we're looking to change that a little bit. Jordan Greenway the other night had a really yeah.
1: good
0: – He's a six foot seven, 220-pound yeah. guy, so he can fill that role. I mean, Owen Power, obviously, too. He's a big guy, so – We'll see what happens obviously the game has changed a little bit and I've, of course we talked about head injuries and the long-term impact of these fights but you see a lot of these enforcers later in life they have a few oh, yeah. away and, and ct and whatnot like there's yeah. got to be a middle right like it's obviously not going to happen every game but there still needs to be a respect and an understanding amongst players so
1: i know palantina actually palafontaine is doing something with helmets um yeah. new revamped helmets that way it protects players for that so Pat, I don't know if you've ever met Pat LaFontaine, but I've met him a bunch of times. And I mean, I've never seen a guy care so much just about helping any way he can. Uh, I did me and my hockey show, the Hockey Night in New York podcast. Um, He did like a a run, a Main Street mile up in in Farmingdale down here. And then he held a golf outing and he just does anything he can.
2: Yeah, uh, Pat is just an unbelievable human being. I've had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times. I have his book right here actually. That's awesome.
1: (laughs) yeah um, so that's the company was, that he started the foundation yeah, that he did for their mile and stuff
2: yeah i know uh he does a lot of work with the lions done in a lot of local children's hospitals i'm not sure if that's still going but that was something he started to help like kids who are sick interact with their favorite athletes you know most notably hockey players and uh just just an overall just phenomenal human being back before there were cameras and social media back here in Buffalo, he would sneak into children's hospital and at, after games and go visit kids and just like he cared so much Amazing. and uh um you know again you know it was a shame the way his Sabers career ended both on and off the ice but um you know i would welcome him back with open arms man he's just a great great person class act and you know honestly a dream guest of this show next to dominic Hashik for sure
1: yeah um, yeah he's a great
0: guy for sure get hashik he's all over social media yeah that guy well, is like, it, it actually he's way more their, active than I thought he'd be. If you look at,
2: uh, I forget which where I, I used to be my profile picture, uh, Hasek actually took a bunch of those shirts and hoodies home with him back to the Czech Republic. Uh, yeah, That's sick. yeah, I got a picture, a good picture of me and him, and me and me and Devin Levi wearing it. So it was
1: pretty cool. That's awesome. That's sick. Uh, yeah. Uh, sure, speaking, I was so, going to uh, say.
0: Speaking of goalies, if you if yeah. you have the same question, then I have a question. Um I think um we haven't really talked about Sorokin much and I think there's a debate right now like who the two best goalies in the league are and it's probably Shisterkin and Sorokin, obviously two fellow countrymen from Russia. Um I personally think they they play similar styles, but you could probably shed more light onto it. Um the type of game that Ilya Sorokin plays for those like Sabres fans or anyone else that's not as familiar with watching him. Um what do you think he does well? What does he do better than other goalies? what is his projection going into the season in terms of like games played and numbers and do you feel like it's there's obviously there's always best than potential but like do you think he could really really elevate even past sterkin is the best goalie in the league this season
1: yeah so what does he do well i mean a lot stops the puck but i think the biggest thing is his anticipation is off the charts the guy is you know it's one thing to read a play and get caught cheating and i think early in his career on the island you know he was making these ridiculous saves but he's allowing those short side goals he goes i'm right, in rush goals but that's because he's just reading the game faster than anyone and he tried to guess but once he got a feel for the rink size and you know the feel for the nhl game and understanding hey i'm still good enough to make sure that short side's closed up but i also have the ability to get over there and read that play is The game changer for I him, and that's why he had such a great year last year because those weaker goals weren't happening at uh, the same thing, with is Birkin too, when he first came over on incredible saves. But you know, the five hole goals going in or the short side goals going in. But once the really understood about positioning and those subtle changes from the KHL, he gets the pucks that he has no business getting to. I mean, the paddle saves, sure, as a goalie, you know, you guys obviously too, is a lot of that's luck, but at the same time. You know, you still have to have hand-eye coordination to time the paddle thing or or do things like that or have the flexibility to reach back and make those saves. And I think for Sorokin, it's just one, he, his mental game. I mean, thats we talk about that a lot with goalies and you have to be mentally strong. But this is a guy that literally all he thinks about is next save, stopping the puck, things like that. It's not, nothing lingers for him ever. I don't know if that's just how he's been his whole life, how he's been trained, how he came to the NHL, but literally nothing else matters besides the shot Coming on him at that moment. You very rarely see him allow a weak goal and then fall apart. Sure, it happens to every goalie. We've seen that, but it doesn't, you know, you don't notice it. It's like, all right, he allowed a bad goal like that. Maybe he hasn't had his best game, but he'll still make those three or four or five saves where you're like, okay, he just gave the on. maybe it's not his best showing, but he just gave the Islanders a chance to win this game. Did they lose? Sure, it was a couple of goals, maybe his fault, sure, but it wasn't like he just sat down there and died for them and, you know, allowed another three goals to just end it. So, I think that's the biggest thing. I think the, the weakness in his game, which I think is the reason you put Sturkin ahead of him, is, is playing the puck. You know, Sturkin's like an extra defenseman out there with, with transitioning. And for the Islanders, Sturkin can add that and be that extra guy that can help transition. Game changer. And again, I, I, again, it's hard to compare both because they're both so freaking good, right? But I think Sturkin just has that leg up because he's able to do a little, he brings a little more to the table. And again, for the Islanders, their biggest issue last year was transitioning. If you have a goalie that can shoot the puck up the ice, where the defense doesn't have to make those quick plays and things like that, that really opens up a lot. You see with the Rangers, you see you can just spring somebody, right? Have the ability to do that. And I think that's something that can I don't know if he could add it to his game at this point. You either have the ability to be a puck and goalie or not. I, at, from my standpoint as goalies, is I hate saying goalies got to play the puck, unless they really like, unless it's a full line change by their team where you have the time and space because you know you need to be able to make a save. At any given moment, and if you're turning the puck over, like Mike Smith is a perfect example. Sure, he's made some great plays, things like that, but how many times does he turn the puck over behind his net and then screw his own team? Or did not used to, obviously. So I think it's a fine line with that. But if you have a goalie that could do that consistently where turning the puck over does not happen, then sure, go for it. But anytime I see a goalie go out there, especially with how fast the game is, too, much guys going behind the net, I'm like, stay in your crease, man. Like, the lesson the islanders need is going to play the puck and get hurt.
2: I, I, I agree. Actually, um, kind of like Steve Dangle up in, up in Toronto. He says, if you're a goalie, tend the goal, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh I mean, you know the rooftops,
1: but yeah. uh, I'm,
2: I'm not, I'm not advocate for playing the puck as a goalie. Um, but not so much as playing it up the ice. I'm just an advocate of stopping it behind the net and stopping it, stopping a breakout for like, sure. For sure. That's where I'm at. Like if I can stop a puck behind the net, uh, my defenseman, you know, be the first to get to it and not have to worry about battling, you know, in in the corner for it. That's what I'm a big advocate of. Um, in terms of the Sabres lineup, you know, how do you feel about what Buffalo has put together? I know you kind of spoke on it a little bit before, but, you know, going yeah. into match matchup, your prediction of what, you know, how this could go for, you know, you know, which way, which way the score will sway, you know, in favor for the Islanders. Um, you know, how do you feel about this young lineup that Buffalo has out there um, and your thoughts on who, who we have in that and Devin Levi and uh, rookie Zach Benson?
1: yeah well first all, i think levi is going to be an absolute stud uh just again you talk about mental right the mental game and you see him during was it during every tv time he goes on his knees right and kind of does yeah. something like star wars at, yeah so um i think for him like he's i mean you don't see goalies skip the ATL a lot right you don't really see that and he's done that and i think just so much talent but what helps him is that the team is talented too he's not you know for example like i think back to like a guy like darcy temper who was on this coy- coyotes team with He was a superstar with them because he was the only guy doing anything. And then he goes to Colorado and you know, a better team and things like that. He wins a cup. And or Veg Melka, right? Another kid who's an absolute stub, doesn't get enough credit because he's on a bad team. Levi's got the ability to learn and grow without having to worry about losing consistently, right? That that takes a mental toll on you when you feel like you have to be the best. And for a young kid like that, who knows how that impacts your career? So the fact that they've been able to build a team around him that's still young but also has veteran leadership when we talk about a post or Gergensen's been around a while, or even a guy like Alex Tuck and Tage Thompson to me. I mean, I don't know how anybody stops him. He's got everything and he's got the size. The size is the biggest thing is when you have guys that can fly out there and are that big and have that reach. I mean, sure you could have two guys on him, but he also can make that play. And I think underratedly so Jeff Skinner, I feel like he just gets past you know, again, he, when he went over to Buffalo, he's, you know, was it this first year he was really good and then fell off? I think that's what it was. Hard to think we back. We don't,
2: like, we don't like to talk about those years uh, with Ralph Krueger.
1: You, know? yeah. <laughs> like, you look at that top line, right? And maybe your eyes are on Thompson and Tuck, but Skinner didn't lose his legs. The guy's yeah. still filthy. And then you look at, okay, well, Dylan Cousins, I mean, he's a stud as well. Victor Olson seems to me as a guy that always goes onto the radar, but like I've seen him score goals against the or, you know, you look at the, the power play for Buffalo on I mean, him dangerous and Dalene obviously is a guy that you can't give any time and space to, he'll walk that blue line, he'll get a shot off. And I think this is a Sabres team. That's definitely well balanced. I do. I did love the greenway addition. Last year, again, grit guy like that, a guy who has an offensive touch, but doesn't need to be that offensive guy. He could play a lot of, a lot of roles. Zach Benson. I, again, it's, it's tough to say, but this couple of team is going to be, I'm not going to say they're at the level of the devils at this point, but they have, you know that when they get, they reach their full potential. You look at just how young and how talented they're gonna be good for a very long time. I think it's about time that Buffalo Sabres fans get back to that. Same way islander fans have been longing for that. I mean, was you guys haven't played in the playoffs since what 2011? Is that is that oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks it's for the reminder. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's only gonna make it feel better when you guys go on a dominance because it's gonna happen. I mean, you look at they're too talented not to. I'm not saying they're going to win cups and be a dynasty, but you just want competitive hockey back in Buffalo. And I think last year you saw they're they're this close, right? So now with guys like Benson, another year for Darlene, Owen Power, a full years and uh, full year with uh, the Jedi in goal, right? This is a team. Uh, this is a team that's going to be a tough team. even if they don't make the playoffs, and they're still maybe like a year away. They're going to be a uh, handful for any team that plays them.
2: Yeah, my predictions for Zach Benson tonight will be this right here. This is some good stuff
1: is it back checking hard after he turns it over or is that him uh... thing,
0: just being a pest just being a pest he's a hey that's, that's what we call him even the other night the, the rangers like specifically went after him like you saw jacob trubo like cross-checking him they were going after this kid and he's 18 years old and he's five foot nine 180 pounds soaking wet you know like i think teams especially in these first nine games even as he like gets into the nhl like he is going to be a target but he plays the type of game that he's able to do that and it's the reason he made the team obviously he he played so well in the preseason of course that's different from the regular season but this is another tough test tonight um as you say um so obviously the home opener for for the islanders season opener uh, a lot of emotion in the building. We had that the other night, especially with Rick Generates passing. Um, yeah. What do you expect for tonight? I I think the over under is I think six. Uh, the Islanders are a minus one forty five favorite. Uh, yeah. Six, six and a half, actually. Uh, final score prediction from you. What do you think?
1: Yeah, that? it's funny because I do odds for you know my pregame piece, and I saw I saw the six and a half, and I'm thinking this it's could high. be a two this could be a two one game, right? If both really go, high. Uh, <laughs> Yeah and i think the biggest thing they're looking at is you know first game right for the islanders as much as they're favorites to win this game there could be a lot of goals back and forth i don't think it's going to be that high 4-1 maybe a 4-1 with an empty net i, I do think the islanders you know again we talked about how getting off the strong starts in terms of games has been tough like they're slow in the first period but i think with the crowd with with warband and bars all back together with the emotions of the islanders fans who you know this has been a long wait for them i just think that it would be a shame for the honors not to come out flying And if they do get an early lead i think it's i think it's their game to be had especially with the buffalo sabers already having played in the honors being able to watch film the sabers could watch film from the playoffs of the honors but you know, again healthy Barzall. i've never seen Barzall this um i don't say confident i don't think he's ever lost confidence confidence but he's so dialed in right now like i've never seen him this dialed in before and that's going to be dangerous. And again, this is a Sabres team that's that's still young and has to learn what it takes to win and things like that. Even with again veterans, so I do think if the Islanders get the first goal of the game, it'll be theirs. I think I'll say four one with an internet goal. Um, but yeah, I just think I just think they've waited so long to play that they're going to. This will be one of those games where they go flying out of the gates. And again, it's going to be about capitalizing early. But I think if the Islanders can get out of the first period with a lead, I think it's theirs to be had.
2: Yeah, I. Uh... I, I mean, I'm, I'm from in terms of predictions, um, we mentioned at the top of the show, Buffalo got a, an early taste of what it's going to be like to play against this structure, you know, so I'm hoping they use that to their advantage. I hope they've been working on that, like, think, you know, in practice. I mean, I assume they would be. But um, I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. I think we're going to see a 2-1 game uh, in Buffalo's favor. Um, you know, I'm not trying to sound like a homer, but I think that <laughs> no, we're going to use that. Well, it's I know I just I just think that's gonna. Be t- they're gonna use that game one to their advantage and apply it United you know, against the Islanders. Um, I think Sorokin and Levi are gonna absolutely shine, uh, but I predict two one uh, in regulation.
1: I love
0: it. I, I also agree. I I think it's gonna be an under game. Um, just the way these two teams play, I think the Sabers are much better defensively than they were last season. Even if we didn't fully see it on on Thursday night, similar to how Josh Allen played against the Jets week one. I think that could have been the best thing that could have happened to them on Thursday night, realizing that Yoki Haru cannot just stand in front of the not picking up anybody, not having any type of positional awareness whatsoever. As we've mentioned before, like there's a lot of puck watching on this team, and they cannot do that and expect to succeed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I think it's a 3-2 game. I don't know who's going to win. I'm personally really nervous. I hate playing the Islanders. It's (laughs) really really frustrating. As I was watching all those shots being blocked the other night, I was just like, is this the Rangers or the Islanders? Because it really looked like the New York Islanders the other night. And it, it makes me nervous that this young, fast, skilled team is not necessarily ready to play a game like that at this point. So, no, I'm, I'm really hoping for a strong game from Levi, and we'll see what happens. Um, what I will are, say, but, though, is the
1: Islanders haven't won a home opener since 95. Wow. Now they've only played, I think, eight since oh. then. They've opened on the road a lot got it well, i mean that's like what their first game games? of the
0: season at home is what you're saying
1: first game of the season at home
0: yeah okay. so season
1: openers that are on home ice whether it be the college game or ubs well we're, we're really five
0: we're really used to the sabers underperforming at home so i think islanders fans are in a similar boat with us there um in terms of the islanders for the full season uh yeah. and you see them in the playoffs or your projection for the entire season what do you what do you think? is their ceiling i mean the ceiling is obviously could be the stanley cup final but where do you actually see them going uh later this season
1: yeah I, i've been pretty consistent all summer saying that i think they're going to be a, a wild card team again but that being said i don't think it's going to take 82 games to figure that out again last year was a lot of uh, pittsburgh losing to chicago that last week is the reason the honors are playing hockey in the playoffs so i think they're going to be a wild card team again I do you think they have a chance to fight for that third seed. i'm not sold in the rangers they had a good first game I just I didn't love the offseason moves. Again, we talked about how important it is that the guys they're paying per, perform. It's not really about the guys they brought in. I they just got old real quick for me, and I I think I just think a grind of, we see with the Islanders, is, right, being one of the older teams in the league, that 82 games is a lot for a team that that's older. And I'm not saying that they can't perform. They of course they can, but the grinding style that I think Laviolette's going to have them playing, like you said, you know, you can't block 30 well, how many 32 shots or whatever it was. Like, 23. Yeah. That.
0: That's still a lot. Yeah,
1: but you but you can't do that every night. And expect to, to one stay healthy and two just when you get to the playoffs at that point you're but i mean no one's 100 right but that grind of a year playing that because that the Rangers have a lot of skill where they don't i don't know if they have to play that way every night but at the same time i think that's something they definitely have to learn how to play is more of a gritty game but it just takes a toll and i think that's hard you know when a team like that like carolina i mean sure their defensive structure is great but they're not super old they have a lot of young talent they have a lot of mobile guys. And things like that which is why the Devils, too young fast mobile guys you can evade hits things like that the grind again that's probably what cost them in the playoffs after their first round win over the rangers is like they don't have to play playoff hockey that grinding style they're not used to so i think for the islanders you want to see them this year so that they can still play that grinding style but at the same time they stay be a team that could have life the whole year too many games where they were slow and you, you okay was the age the leadership group i, I think it's just Playing shutdown style hockey for a large part of that season. I mean, the Islanders started the year with Lambert first year. Let's be more offensive. The first couple of months, I think they were averaging like 3.5 goals a game. Defense was taking a hit, and when it really mattered, after a horrible January, Lambert said, "Back to trot style it is." And they grinded and got in. But that's a lot to have to play that way all the time. And I think if the Islanders could find a way to again use their their neat speed with Engvall bat, uh, Engvall full year, Horvat full year, guys like that. It does keep them fresher and again evading hits people don't really talk about that but with the faster and more mobile guys you have every hit that you get hit with is just another another shot another thing you have to take another ice bath things like that that adds up so if the honors could use their speed to their advantage more consistently this year they're gonna be much i think they'll be better off in the regular season in terms of winning more games and not being as tired and then when it comes to the playoffs they're at least fresh enough that they could play that style so i think again cup i think for the Islanders, it's really hard just get in right and then you'll see what happens they have a lot of guys that pay a lot of money to perform so i still think they're still that elite finisher away but when you got a guy like starokin all he has to do is get hot yeah. that's really it and you can go to a cup final i mean i think a couple of years ago in the it? bubble they Carey could have been Mon- they would have killed montreal
2: carrie price got him to the finals the only did hill he
0: was in the finals he <laughs> didn't hill yeah
1: i mean it, you're it, talking it, about it, Aiden it really hill
0: how healthy you are, even the NFL playoffs. How healthy you are at the right time of the year, and how well you're playing. As we and seen again, the-
1: Ve- Vegas was probably the, mo- the deepest team we've seen in quite some time. But look at the Florida too. Bobrovsky gets hot in the playoffs, and then when he got cold, he got cold again, and they lost. Yeah. So I think it's again, it's about keeping pace and sure and playing obviously. But at the honors too is, and Barzal said this. He's tired of having to grind at the end of the year. The strong starts are so important. I mean, the honors open their season with I think it's 8 of 10 at home or something like that. Like Those are games you got to win. They better out here, right? Yeah. I mean, you well, got to start off 13
0: school. games on the road to begin last season?
1: That was the year before because you've been still built. But that's, again, like you yeah. have the advantage of being at home. You ha- Again, teams are going to struggle on the road, and some players like playing on the road more. But it's just like you have such an opportunity ahead of yourself right now. You play Buffalo tonight. You play Coyotes. Obviously. Coyotes are my dark horse to make the playoffs. So I think they're going to be it's great this good. year. I love, I love just teams that struggle for a long time. And then finally, like oh this is the God. first, this is the first summer where I said, okay, like they're committing to being competitive and teams like that are dangerous, Um, but they play them on Tuesday and they play Friday against the devils. I mean, again, games at home, regardless of who the opponent is, you got to find a way to win those games. and just collect points too. That's the biggest thing. And I think if the honors could start off going two zero and one or, or points in three straight games to start the year. That is huge because this division is so tough, and and the conference too. Like I said before,
2: Stefan, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on with us, man. Um, I know uh, you probably have stuff to prepare for for tonight's game. So, uh, also, like like I said, we'll we'll talk after we go off air here. We'll make sure to get you a shirt. But appreciate you hopping on, man. Um, your insight was incredible, and looking forward to see how right or wrong we are about tonight's game so oh,
1: I think- appreciate it guys thanks so much i mean it is, was a pleasure
2: is there anything you want to plug before we go off air here
1: why not right uh you can follow me on twitter at Stefan underscore rosner that's s-t-e-f-e-n underscore rosner i cover the islanders for the hockey news and i'm a islanders correspondent for nhl.com so thanks guys for that
2: awesome no problem and if you uh, like the shirts that we're wearing you can contact me for the goat or uh the stefan 316 here. Uh, at Buffalo logo. Um, you can find them on Twitter and Instagram. Just a lot of uh, great bills and Sabres memorabilia on there, uh, all locally made. So make sure you go check it out. This has been episode 142 of two goalies, one Mike brought to you by 43 North and i let liquor the place to buy a case on Georgia and Boulevard um, until next time. Actually till tonight, when we do our post game show uh, we'll talk to you later. Uh, thanks again.
0: I want to at the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker.